You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for a battery for your truck, a battery for your trail camera, or literally everything in between, including specialized batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery retail store and talk with a battery specialist. There are thousands of locations all over the United States. And if you want to find out more about the batteries they sell, the culture, visit their website, interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, whenever you're listening to this. Welcome to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today, this is kind of a monumental occasion because today is the first firearm company that we've ever had on the uh, on the podcast here. And a lot of our content has kind of revolved around bow hunting for the most part. We've talked, you know, we've had broadheads, we have arrows, bow manufacturers, hunting clothing manufacturers, but today is the very first firearm company and today we're going to be talking with Jessica Treglia of Savage Arms. Now, as you all know, if you listen to the Sportsman's Nation, a lot, you know that Savage is currently a partner of the network. And uh, we're going to talk about company history. We're going to talk about their manufacturing. We're going to talk about their product line. And we're going to get some insights from Jessica about how the business operates from a uh, customer service standpoint, how they know what new product they're going to come out with. Uh, we talk specifically about their new shotgun, the Renegade, and their uh, ultralight line in the 110 lineup. And uh, it's a really good uh, episode. Uh, I know that uh, I've been getting a lot of feedback asking about when we're going to talk about firearms. And I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm really green when it comes to talking firearms because I, I guess if I was going to put a label on myself, I would label myself a bow hunter. Uh, I have I have one shotgun and I use it for turkey hunting whenever or uh, pheasant hunting. It's a 20 gauge, right? But uh, it's only fair that I talk about gun hunting because gun hunting makes up a huge part of the hunting community, right? So, Jessica comes on, and we talk about the, the company Savage. We talk about the history, and I've already mentioned all the things that we talk about. So without further ado, let's get into today's podcast with Savage Arms. All right, today on the Hunting Gear Podcast, I'm joined by Jessica Treglia of Savage Arms. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And I and I got your name right, right? You did. Okay, good. Did. Check one box is checked off today so we're good this is going to be a great <laughs> podcast now so uh i think uh what i want to know is what is your role first question what is your role within savage so my title here is a senior brand manager but it's just a fancy way of saying product manager 
Um, so I oversee a lot of the new product development as well as just our entire assortment and what we're carrying going forward and just the whole line and making sure that it's well-rounded year after year and following up on that. Okay. So um, do you have a background in firearms? How long have you been with Savage? Kind of just give us an, an, maybe a little update about you personally. Uh, I mean, are you, a, are you a, a, a firearm nut? like a lot of guys are, guys and gals? <laughs> so, uh, I guess you could say I am a firearm nut. Maybe that I know a lot about firearms, and it's deceiving, but I don't have a firearm background, at least not growing up. I did not grow up around firearms. I grew up in New England, which um, tends to have some varying opinions on them, so it was very difficult to kind of bring that into my life. But I started a career at Colt about 11 or 12 years ago, in their law enforcement division and sales. Uh, and I stayed there for about five or six years, and then Savage recruited me. So I came up just across the border into Massachusetts and started in sales operations oh, six years ago, maybe. Right. I think six. I was just over that. And uh, transitioned into this role about three years ago and having a blast in product development. So I took up hunting while I was at Colt, actually, along with some oh, competitive nice. shooting, which did not go very far in. <laughs> so I stuck with hunting because <laughs> it was a lot easier for me and a lot more enjoyable. And um, I've gotten to expand upon that. I guess, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you work in the gun industry, you get to play with firearms all day, which I'm around firearms all day. It doesn't mean I get to play with them. But the one perk is getting to go on hunts. And, you know, no one gives you grief if you come in late because you're hunting or you want to leave early to get out in the tree stand. So it's kind of nice. Well, that's cool. I think that brings uh, a little added layer to, I guess, being a brand manager for a rifle or a, a firearm manufacturer is when, and I say this about all the manufacturers that I have on the show, um, it just seems like if someone is a participant in the market that they are trying to sell in, it gives them a little bit more street cred. You know, so if if uh, if you were coming on today and you just sat in an office and tried to pedal, you know, pedal firearms, it would be a little bit different of a conversation. But now that I know this, I can ask you hunting specific questions and you're going to be able to knock it out. So uh, that's a win for everybody. Yeah, hopefully I can knock it out. Yeah, but <laughs> it is it is nice to work with people who enjoy hunting and shooting and getting to use the products as opposed to having to develop something and sell something and manufacture something that you don't really get to to use or enjoy at the end of the day so it, it makes it a lot of fun for sure yeah absolutely absolutely so um as far as your your role what i what i am always interested in is the company history and from what i've read and, and learned so far about savage you guys have been around for a long time we have been around for quite a while, very long time, actually. And we've uh, moved locations quite a bit. Um, and right now we're in Westfield, Massachusetts. And we actually also have a location up in Lakefield, Ontario as well. Okay. How how long has Savage been a company? Do you happen to know that? We have been a company since 1894. So obviously Arthur Savage started in Utica, New York. Um, and now we're here. Okay. That's a long time. And one thing about <laughs> any company, period, if you're able to last that long, you know, obviously there's been some ups and downs, I'm sure, just like all businesses and all uh, economies, that if you're able to last that long, 
you're doing something right. So what, uh, just from my own personal gain here, what are some things that you feel that Savage from a firearm manufacturer does right every single year, every single model that they, that they produce? Something that we really pride ourselves on is innovation and technology. So there's been a large focus over the last 15 years, I'd say, to develop new technology, to look at what the hunter and shooter needs and wants and what's going to improve his experience or improve the safety, the accuracy, the functionality, and take that and bring it into a new product. So um, it's been fun to kind of work with that where it's a company that wants to change things, wants to innovate, um, and doesn't just stick with the same old stuff, wants to solve consumer problems. And that's sort of a, a method of thought we've had here where if you're not solving a consumer's problem, then what are you doing? Are you just coming out with a copycat? Are you just coming right. out with another gun that, you know, doesn't, someone doesn't necessarily need, doesn't solve any problems for them. It can't shoot further. It can't shoot more accurate. You can't shoot it faster. So um, those have been things that we've really focused on over the last few years. And I think it started, we introduced the AccuTrigger was probably a huge innovation for us. I think, oh, don't quote me on this. I want to say it was 16, 17 years ago is when that came out. Oh, God, maybe more. But we introduced the AccuTrigger, and since then it's just been a large burst of innovation with the AccuStock, AccuFit, um, the A-Series, which is our semi-automatic, and then most recently the Renegade shotgun. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I've, we've talked about the uh, Renegade on the uh, network here for a while now, but um, what what about Savage, you know, has – you know, you've talked about its longevity a little bit and what you guys have pride yourself on. And there's a lot of other firearm manufacturers out there, uh, especially in the hunting space, right? So let's just say a guy is looking at a wall full of guns or he walks into a, a gun shop or a, a sporting goods store and he's looking to purchase a a new hunting rifle or a new shotgun. Now, what is it about Savage that he should really pay attention to? And why is that maybe a better choice than something else that's on the market? The biggest thing I always hear, so it's not coming from me, but it's something I always hear, is the value that you're getting. So we try to be extremely aggressive with prices and not gouge pricing and upcharge exponentially, but to provide the customer with features and innovation at an affordable price. So um, we've improved ergonomics over the last two or three years, and you'll see that A lot of our models have a facelift on the shelf, which is going to make them stand apart dramatically compared to that old school look and feel. So it's not just a facelift, but also changed ergonomics. But what you're getting in that is also some technology advancements with AccuFit, really. Um, And it's, it's interesting to see, you know, we have a lot of competitors out there and you've got to make yourself stand apart on the shelf, but you're getting value for that. And we're not charging, you know, a premium penny for it, but it's still a workhorse. So at the end of the day, your firearm, your shotgun, your rifle, it's still a tool that has to get the job done, right? You know, you want to go out to the woods, you might only have one chance, one shot. So you better make it count. Just because it looks pretty doesn't mean it's going to get the job done. But we're, we've always been known as a very accurate rifle. So now we're just kind of bringing that full circle and encompassing everything about what someone wants in a rifle. Okay. So... Let's talk about the details, right? You've already mentioned the trigger. Um, what it, What is it 
like when you guys come to market with a new model or you're sitting around the round table and uh, you talk about, you know, what, what's the next thing that we introduce? What does that kind what does that conversation look like? <laughs> I can tell you it is, um, we actually bring in people from the entire company. So any position, you know, if you're out hand straightening barrels, you can come participate in a brainstorming session with the whole team and throw anything on the board. You want to throw a spear gun out there, throw a spear gun out there. Um, and we'll talk about it. You know, someone, some odd things come up and we may get into a 30 minute conversation, just brainstorming what that would look like uh, and try not to shut down some weird ideas. But I think that the biggest thing is we have people who do shoot and hunt that come in after using their firearms and think, Hey, if you just tweak this, if you change this, it might be easier for me to use it. Right. So that, that comes up a lot because that's the biggest thing. And then a lot of us, specifically myself, I'll question a lot of times, okay, well, what are gunsmiths doing? Um, and that's how we got the AccuStock and the aluminum bedding system. So what are gunsmiths doing to guns to make them better? And can we just do that in mass manufacturing out of here, first and foremost, before we even come out with it and just build it into the platform itself? So I think that that has stimulated a lot of the changes we've come out with. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a big time bow hunter, right? I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. pretty green when it comes to firearms, uh, pretty much across the board. So one thing that I, I like about bow hunting is being able to customize uh, a bow to, to fit me and my needs, whether that is, you know, the length of it or the weight of it or the accessories that I can put on it to make me feel confident in my shot. Are Savage uh, firearms customizable to to a certain extent? They are. So we introduced AccuFit technology in 2018, which allows the customer to swap out um, spacers for length of pull adjustments as well as cheek risers for uh, cheek weld, so your comb height. Um, and it comes, the AccuFit, so the rifle itself, comes with interchangeable pieces, so you don't have to go buy them separately to customize your fit. And also, if you think about hunting seasons, it may change. So just because it fits you in this season and the apparel you're wearing in a warmer month doesn't mean it's going to fit in a winter month where you're wearing more clothing. So you might have to shorten your length of pull in those winter seasons. So we introduced AccuFit to kind of solve that problem. Um, and the biggest thing I learned when we introduced that is we were looking at just fit of a rifle. So we always like to poke fun that you will never be as accurate as your firearm. You as a shooter, right? The gun is what it is. It's always going to shoot very accurately. It's all the other variables that are going to cause it to not hit the same hole twice. So you're that variable, really. And um, when I was hunting a lot, when I was first learning, someone would always kind of like hand me a rifle and be like, here you go, let's go out. And I'd grab it. And they'd always kind of criticize me because it would take me forever to sort of find the deer in the scope. And I couldn't figure out, no one really helped me figure out why the scope was just black. And they're like, go on, shoot. I'm like, I can't see anything. I don't understand what you want me to shoot at. I literally see black. They're like, what do you mean you see black? I'm like, I see black. And then, or I'd see half black, you know, over to the left, over to the right, and the top and the bottom. And come to find out, <laughs> many years later, it's because the rifle didn't fit me. So we learned kind of going through that and started educating consumers and shooters and hunters that, you know, if you shoulder your rifle and you open your eyes and you see black anywhere in that scope and it's blocked out, it doesn't fit you. Either you need a higher cheek riser or a shorter length of pole to get closer to that scope. So 
I kind of learned through that process too how much better I was at hunting when I had a rifle that fit me every single time. So I got a new rifle, and then we stopped borrowing some others. Right. <laughs> so it, it it's something that I don't think gets educated that, you know, just because the rifle's there and everyone else is buying it doesn't mean it fits you and doesn't mean it's the best option for you. So if you can purchase something that actually can be adjusted to fit you, then it goes a long way with how much better of an experience you'll have. Right. So you you mentioned there the consistency, right? Obviously, you guys make a consistent product. Um, but from the uh, from a standpoint of making a shooter better, because I like to have tools that are consistent, but also have functionality to make me better at what I'm trying to do. Does does Savage have anything like that uh, worked into their design or even the manufacturing process that it allows their firearms to be more of a, uh, I guess, an enhanced version of yourself? So there's quite a few things. We talked about AccuFit, right? So if you can set the gun up to fit you, you're going to inherently shoot better each and every time because just because it fits you better, right? right. You're set up for that. The Accu trigger itself um, it's safe and it's going to, it's nice and light and crisp, which is going to give you a more accurate shot because you're not pulling on a heavy trigger, or possibly shaking that firearm and, or pulling it in any direction. Um, I also like to use it as a training tool. So, you know, you can sort of teach a new shooter to pull the AccuTrigger blade very slowly. And then once they feel that they get to the trigger, kind of take a breath and then pull and release on that trigger. So it trains them to have a more controlled shot versus, you know, pulling on that trigger and, and kind of throwing your bolts wherever they go. Uh, the other upgrades that we have are, um, well, not upgrades, but at least come standard with our guns, are the button rifled barrels. So that's a manufacturing process that we use here that will get us a consistent um, rifling every single time. And then we also have the uh, lock nut. So a lot of people are familiar with the lock nut. Some are smooth, some are serrated, but it makes barrels kind of easily interchangeable in the aftermarket if someone needs to change something out and then also within that lock nut you have zero tolerance head spacing so each bolt face is head spaced to the barrel itself that's made it to that receiver so they're both serialized if you'll notice on your bolt it typically will have the last four digits of the serial number that's on your rifle itself so they're mated together because you're getting zero tolerance head spacing. You're getting it as tight as it can be in that chamber to have a consistent, accurate shot every time. Okay. So uh, taking it one step further now, um, when it comes to building a, a firearm, especially in Savage, what role do the materials play in making it a high-quality firearm? Probably pretty high. I mean, especially if you're looking at a lot of the steel. So um, you got to be careful with it. You got you have to inspect it as it comes in, ensure there's no issues with it, um, make sure it's heat treated properly, whether before it comes in or at least after. You know, after button rifling, make sure it gets heat treated. So um, if there's any flaws in any of the material, you've got to kick it out because you just can't mess with that with a firearm. Um, so we're very critical about the materials that come in, and then they go through a process. And in the last few years, we've um, made our factory very lean with how products flow through. So that way, you know, the receiver and barrels run through smoothly and everything's in a straight line. And within that process, you still have all old technologies like hand straightening, as well as 
new technologies in CNC machining. But um, the hand straightening is one of those old techniques that's that's kind of interesting to see where it looks like someone's actually bending the barrel, but what we're doing is using that technology to identify if it's not straight and straightening it out and getting it all to be just perfect. Gotcha. So we keep uh, pretty good attention to that. So you guys, you guys have a pretty strict tolerance of what is allowed to go to the shelf. I mean, what does, what does Q and a look like on the, on the, on the floor? Cause you mentioned meat, uh, lean manufacturing. So, um, I once upon a time asked our VP of operations this question of how many QA checks do we have within the process? So right, when, mater- when raw materials come in, they're getting inspected for certain criteria. When parts come in, they're getting inspected for certain criteria. And then when we make our barrels and receivers, they then go through quality as if our machine shop is our own shop and getting inspected. But, you know, as someone on the floor, as he's making the receiver, making the barrel or assembling the firearm or even in the range and at Mountain Boresight, how many Q&A checks do we have? And it's funny because he actually turned to me and he was like, oh, 46. And I was like, <laughs> did not expect a number to come out of you, but okay. I was like, so can you explain that to me? He's like, I'm just kidding. I have no clue. There's like thousands upon thousands. <laughs> He's yeah. like, you know, each person is checking and responsible for the components. And there's identifiers that we know if something goes wrong, we can trace it back and find root causes. So um, we'll notice a lot of, a lot of, things will get caught and brought to her supervisor's attention that, you know, otherwise might not get caught on other inspection criteria. But at the same time, you'll see um, operators in the range, they're looking at cosmetics and aesthetics, whereas you might not expect that to be their their job. But in reality, they also care about the product that they're putting out. So they're going to take a look at that stuff too and bring it to our attention, even though, you know, they're not the ones assembling it. They're just getting it to the range and, and shooting it to make sure it targets Right. All right. So, so I, I couldn't tell you how many there are, but there's I can tell you that, you know, the people take pride in what they're building. So they're inspecting a lot of that. And then there are some gates throughout the process to validate what's happening. Right. Does a round go through every firearm that leaves your building? Yes. yes. So every rifle gets proof and functioned and shotgun, really, if need be. But every everyone gets proof and functioned. Um, and then what we're also checking for is the target at the end. So we also inspect to make sure you're not seeing anything crazy. So you're not going to see any keyholing. Um, and if something like that were to happen, then we'd probably shut down the whole kind of batch and inspect that to make sure nothing is wrong with them. But yeah, every single rifle that goes through does get shot. Right. So keyholing is means the the bullet is going end over end instead of straight. Correct. Okay. All right. Yep. So when you know when you send a, all your firearms out, they get purchased, and you know I'm sure you guys get lots of feedback from uh, you know your your end users there. What what does this feedback look like and how do you take that feedback and maybe turn it back into the meetings that you guys have on whether to change something or, you know, introduce a new skew to the market or, you know, make, uh, make something that nobody else is making or, or maybe, you know, whether it's a big implement, you know, uh, implementation or something very small. We do have a product service department, and I believe our warranty is a pretty much limited lifetime warranty. We like to just service the customers. At the end of the day, it's, it's easier to help them than to deal with the consequences later. So um, we like to make sure that our customers are taken care of. But also, if they have any complaints, 
um, it does get compiled, the data is collected, and then as well as any, um, if a firearm comes in with an issue, we actually can collect the data and just put in a code for what is wrong with it, and eventually we kind of get a calculation of what's happening, right? If something's coming in consistently for the same problem, that feedback is calculated, stored, and given back to the teams that need it. So if it's an assembly issue that got caught, it goes to those supervisors. If it's a quality issue that goes back to quality or if it's machining, you know, it goes to the guy who runs our machine shop. So that data is collected and always given back. Um, and they're right here, right? So he can just walk down and tell them what he's seeing. The guys in product service and the gunsmiths can take the firearm and just, you know, step right out to the floor and ask them if this is something they've seen a lot or how to take care of it. So that's very useful, definitely having them on site. And then also, any changes so we have what we call an engineering change notification so I myself can submit that if I want to change anything about an existing product I can submit it from a sales and marketing standpoint but also our service team can submit that um, and everyone on the team has to sign off on it and we're all aware of what's going on but that team can also bring those changes and recommendations forward and then um, lastly if ideas so one thing that comes up is we have our custom order department here. Effie Sullivan runs that and she's she's been here for a very long time and knows everything about everything for our firearms. And if she gets a lot of calls on something, she'll typically bring it to my attention and we'll make note of it and ideally usually put it forward into the line. So a lot of left-handed models come from that area. If someone's asking consistently for a model in left hand, she'll make me aware of it and we can go ahead and release it because it seems popular enough to go ahead and do that as well as our social media. So we have a team that runs our social media and they're here as well. And um, they answer questions, I think within 24 hours of a lot of the private messages and questions that come in, we take care of those. A lot of customers with product service inquiries will go to our social media and we'll get them you know, sent directly to product service or taken care of right there if it can be. But we also have a way to calculate any new product suggestions that come in from there as well. So, you know, Thanks to technology, we're able to kind of store all that data and really tally up what we should be taking a look at. Has has that ever led to uh, an adjustment in a design or the launch of a new product? So we haven't, I, I wouldn't say it's changed the direction of any new products, but we've certainly used a lot of the suggestions that came in to launch a lot of new products. Um, some of them actually probably coming out in the next six months or so have come from social media and or our custom order department kind of coming in with the same ideas at the same time and deciding that it's just, it's obvious, it's an obvious add to product line. One of the, uh, one of the biggest actually was a 220-212 turkey. So I don't know if you saw that, but it's a, a smooth bore bolt action turkey hunting gun essentially. And Effie up in the customer department was getting a lot of requests for that. So we went ahead and added it to the line about a year and a half ago and it's done really well for us. Okay, cool. So let's, um, Let's talk about the Renegade now, um, because I'll, I want to be clear here. You guys were a rifle company only until the Renegade, or did you make shotguns before the Renegade? We have made shotguns before the Renegade. Okay. Um, it was a long time ago, at least, that we've had a Savage semi-auto shotgun, let's say. it's It's been a while, probably early 90s, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that one, but... Um, we did have at least one semi-auto shotgun that I know of. I believe it was originally made for uh, military a long time ago. But we haven't had any semi-auto shotguns in the Savage brand for quite some time. 
we do have the Stevens brand, which we have pump shotguns. Um, we have had some semi-auto shotguns under, but under the Stevens brand is typically our imported products, which we still control quality on, but if it's not made in-house, we don't put the Savage brand on it. So we introduced Renegade in 2020 as a Savage manufactured in the United States semi-automatic shotgun okay so walk us through that i mean walk us through the whole from the sit down to you know that that conversation where someone goes hey let's make a savage shotgun again you know talk to us what that looked like what that whole timeline looked like all the way to to launch and you know to to basically getting it into people's hands So I can tell you that that happened before I even started about seven years ago. (laughs) And um, our president and CEO at the time decided we're going to be a full firearms company. So we're going to make every type of firearm that there is out there. And that meant starting in shotguns, which is an obvious relation to rifles. Um, It goes along with our hunting heritage that we have. So we wanted to be in the semi-automatic shotgun business. But again, the question came up of we can't just make a shotgun. It has to be different. So we sat down, or they sat down at the time, um, and right around when I got here, we were still brainstorming, you know, the exact details of what we wanted. But the biggest thing we wanted was to be able to cycle um, anything from the the mildest low recoil shells up to a, you know, three-inch magnum cartridge with the same reliability and dependability without increasing recoil. So we wanted recoil reduction to be a large part of this and without beating up the gun over a long time. So... Um, not letting the gun also take that recoil impulse. So that were probably the two biggest things, so consistent ejection and cycling of different cartridges as well as less felt recoil. Um, That was a challenge for them, and that meant, you know, coming up with new technologies and having a gun that sets itself apart. So it started with, I think, about three engineers ago. They did start working on it, um, and then we took over the design I think that the project even got shut down about two times. I think first for not being different enough, and then second was probably like a budget, you know, this doesn't seem good enough for what it's worth. And then about three years ago, we revitalized it again and said we're going to finish this project up, so we're going to bring it to market. Um, it's going to have the technology that we came up with. So that launched in 2020, um, and it so far has been everything we said we wanted it to be, which is perfect. <laughs> cool let's talk about the details a little bit of that uh shotgun because um it's got some it's got some pretty cool features and i think you mentioned it just a little bit there with the um you know the the recoil reduction system but uh also talk about and i think this has something to do with it did the driv gas system so yeah when we introduced this um we introduced the drive gas system which is a patented technology that does regulate um, and cycle those different loads that we we're talking about. So it is a dual regulating inline valve gas system. Dual meaning two valves, regulating meaning that it self-regulates it- itself. So you don't have to adjust the gas system at all, depending on what you're shooting, which a lot of competitors still have to do with their gas systems in order to achieve that large variety of loads. Inline meaning they are straight along with the firearm and then valves meaning two valves. So the gas system ensures that the excess gas vents before it drives the bolt, resulting in consistent ejection, less felt recoil, and pretty much a lightning fast kind of cyclic rate, which makes dependability um, pretty fast for split time. So it's very 
um, reliable, but you do get a lot less felt recoil, which is nice. Um, I've taken it out shooting a lot, and it's, it's very different compared to the competition. It's nice to see, especially shooting 12 gauge. You know, a lot of times I get in there and I'm kind of fearful of it. And right. with the with with the renegade, it actually feels like you're shooting a 20 gauge, and it's really nice. It's, very different from what's out in the market right now. And that's one thing that really interested me because my wife is a very tiny person and I want her to, you know, have a firearm, have a shotgun when we go turkey hunting that has, you know, it's, we, we've done it before with a 20 gauge, but there's just something about a 12 gauge that has, you know, I don't know, just more stopping power. Right. So, I've always wanted to get her, but she, she gets a little freaked out about shooting a bigger caliber like that. So what I wanted to do, um, and when I heard about this, it, it got me really interested because I, I feel like a tinier person can shoot a bigger gun. <laughs> they can. Yeah. They can. Is, is, there any, is, <laughs> so, there, is there any statistics out there about like, what the percentage of recoil is in the it, it, it like uh the difference between a 20 gauge and a and a 12 gauge or what the kick is you know or what that gas system allows you to save or you know the it's it's a reduction by this percent so i know that our, our engineers come to me consistently and I, i've asked them this question numerous times typically it's more about um we have actually a machine here that measures recoil believe it or not um we wanted to know this information we wanted to know if our gun is recoiling less than the competitors or if it's recoiling differently so um they constantly tell me that you know recoil just because it looks pretty on chart doesn't mean it's a you know it's okay or it's not it's a it's apparently a calculation of force times something else right <laughs> and so when you look at recoil, it also depends on an impulse. So is it a hard kick or is it kind of just a, a hard shove, but spread out evenly? Um, you also have a difference where if a firearm is heavier, the recoil might feel like less because the gun itself is absorbing that recoil, which in the case of Renegade, the firearm itself is absorbing that recoil. And there's also um, a couple other technologies built into it that are taking away that recoil and also taking away the the beat the beating that's happening on the firearm during recoil as well so i don't there's i'm sure there's definitely data out there on 12 gauge versus 20 gauge and also there's been so many advancements in shot shell so look at you know turkey hunting with 410s you've got people now who were shooting out to 60 70 yards with 410 tss load for turkeys and taking them down right and their patterns are still staying tight in like a 12 inch group but then you've got people like me who I think I missed once with a 20 gauge and refused to leave a 12 gauge turkey gun ever just because I missed that one time. Yeah. Um, and, and you still have people who are confident in 12 gauge and it gets the job done and you're getting that stopping power um, while you're hunting and you're getting those longer shots consistently. So um, I, it does, we could measure it for sure. And I'm sure I could share that data with you at, at some point of measuring a 20 gauge versus this exact gun. And, I'd say they're going to be pretty comparable if you're shooting the same loads just because of, of the technology built into it to reduce that recoil. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Okay, so now when it comes to, you know, you, you just mentioned that uh, Savage is going to be kind of, you know, moving forward kind of a one-stop shop 
for firearms, right? I mean, handguns, rifles, shotguns. I mean, is there anything else that you guys are, that you, I guess, have to look forward to to in the future? Or is there any like little secrets or, or uh, insight <laughs> that you can give us to what's coming into Savage? I can tell you that our president and CEO, Al Casper, is very driven. Our team here is very driven. And if he says we're going to be a full firearms company, then I can guarantee in the next few years you're going to see us be a full firearms company. But that means, you know, getting into categories we might not be in already. Um, but that means also focusing on the categories we're in now. So right. keeping the pedal down on Renegade and expanding platforms there, expanding models there and line extensions. Um, and it also means keeping the focus on the Model 110 family and advancements that are happening there as well as our Rimfire. Um, we've been expanding that line as well. We had a lot of line extensions in Rimfire this past year and, and are doing really well with that product assortment and innovating where we can there too. Okay. Yeah, I, I noticed uh, one of the new models that you guys have is the 110 Ultralight. Talk on that for a little bit. So the Ultralight is a rifle that we came up with. Um, we partnered with Proof Research, obviously. So it is their carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel. It is threaded 5-8-24, which is the standard thread if anyone wants to put a muzzle device on there. But that rifle comes in at 6 pounds and under. So it's going to depend on the caliber that you have. But essentially, we have, you know, your 308, your 6.5 Creedmoor. Um, those are coming in at like 5.8 pounds. And the barrel itself is 2 pounds, 8 ounces, which is actually lighter than Proof Sendero Light, just because it's a custom contour that we designed and they're building for us. So it's been a blast working with them. You know, they know what they're doing in carbon fiber, and we know what we're doing We're doing and providing a value to the customer who, who wants to build that mountain rifle. So um, it has that feature in the barrel, which is very accurate. And the whole platform itself is great for backcountry hunts, anything high elevation and mountainous terrain. Why, why is it good for high elevation? Just from a just from a, a lightweight standpoint, or is there any functionality in that 110 model that makes it function or perform better in higher elevation? So the first is obviously the weight. Um, anything that comes in that light is perfect for um, any high altitude or just tough terrain that you're hiking for days on end. Um, you know, you don't want something that's heavier than six pounds to carry. It doesn't seem that heavy from the get-go, but after quite a while, you're going to notice it. It's going to make a big difference. But also the the materials itself, so the carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel, so that's going to hold up to the elements. The receiver is actually our skeletonized lightweight receiver, and it has a melanite QPQ coating on it. So um, that coating is going to hold up to any elements as well and really protect it against corrosion resistance um, and sustain that on, on a hunt where you're exposed. Hmm. That's uh that's pretty interesting. Now, what ab I'd like to go through some scenarios here uh with you and maybe talk a little bit about what firearm, maybe potentially even what caliber um you would recommend for a a hunt. And uh I think the best thing for me to do is just start in the in the Midwest uh and just say it's a it's a rifle season that in a state that has a rifle season and uh you're you know, you're looking for something about 500, you know, it's going to be under a thousand yards for sure, but, uh, 400 yards, uh, maybe the max shot that you're going to be taking just because it's in a field or, or, uh, a telephone, 
uh, wire cut. So what, and it's going to be on a white tail deer, what uh, rifle would you recommend at that point that Savage makes? Well, since we're still talking about the ultralight, if I'm picking calibers, I'm just going to have to say it and just get it over with and just pick the do-it-all 6.5 Creedmoor and jump on that bandwagon. Um, 6.5 Creedmoor is really kind of a do-it-all for your North American game. Um, it's going to get that long shot. So if you want to go out to 1,000 yards, you can. Um, I comfortably will shoot out to 500 yards hunting with 6.5 Creedmoor. So that rifle, especially with a whitetail, absolutely. Um, if you're mountain hunting, then ultralight is awesome. Um, it only comes in at 14.99 MSRP, and like I said, under six pounds, 5.8 pounds. But if you're going for something a little more simple, you can certainly jump down to a 110 Storm or 110 Hunter, which has our Accu stock, which is that aluminum bedding, as well as Accu Fit, so you can customize it to fit yourself. It still has the user adjustable Accu trigger, and then you're getting a standard sporter barrel in either carbon steel or stainless steel, depending on, you know, where you're hunting and if you want to stay out in the elements a little bit longer. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's go West a little bit where there's a lot more wide open spaces and maybe it's an antelope hunt or maybe it's a mule deer hunt, but you're, you can see forever. You, you, there's no obstructions and you can basically shoot as long as you want to. What are we looking at there? So my pick for that is typically the 110 long range hunter. So it's got a little bit longer barrel it does come with a muzzle brake, so um, an on-off muzzle brake in some of the smaller calibers, so you can kind of either, you can deter the blast and send it in a different direction if you want to turn it on or off. Um, comes in very similar calibers, so your Six Five Creedmoor is in that platform, and that'll take down a mule deer, trust me, or an antelope. Um, but you're going to get a little bit more distance out of that longer barrel, so I believe most of those barrels are about 24 to 26 inches. Um, but you still have AccuFit, AccuStock, AccuTrigger, and just a slightly longer barrel. Um, so long range, if that's, you know, your planes game and you're not trekking up the mountains, that, that for sure is going to get the job done. Okay. All right. So now we're, we're looking at a little bit bigger of an animal in an elk and, uh, you know, we're high up in the mountains and, you know, we're going to be shooting in maybe some wind, uh, or some higher elevation like we've talked about earlier. What are we looking at there? That one's a little bit different. I prefer a larger caliber on something like an elk, but I do know that a 6.5 Creedmoor, again, will get it done. But um, personally, I think jumping up to like a 30 at 6 or even a 300 wind mag on an elk, depending on the size and the distance that you're going for, is kind of always a suggestion, even though it's a, a larger caliber, you're going to have a little bit more recoil. Um, and if you're you're trekking up some mountains, um, oh, that ultralight's getting real popular these days. Yeah. <laughs> no one really wants to go that far, carrying that much weight. But um, really, any any of our firearms, it's going to depend on your personal preference for weight. So I'm okay with a firearm that weighs about seven pounds. I use the Lady Hunter, um, but someone else might. I'd say that the long range hunter is going to get you your distance, but the ultralight's really going to get both a reasonable distance as well as your lightweight platform. Okay. All right. And then maybe let's, let's throw out predator hunting in there where it's a, it's smaller game. Uh, it's going to happen fast, uh, potentially. And, uh, you need, you need something quick and, uh, maybe not necessarily the stopping power of an elk. 
Yeah, so we do have a 110 Predator, which comes in some of those smaller calibers. It's uh, 2250, 223, 308, 65 Creedmoor, any personal preference there. Um, it's got a heavier barrel threaded so that you can suppress it, you know, if you're hunting any coyotes or whatnot, you want to kind of be a little bit more discreet. So that's perfectly set up for that, right? It's in its name itself, the 110 Predator. But we've also got, um, you know, if you're looking for bigger game, we've got the Bear Hunter, which is specifically created for its purpose, right? It is what it says it is. It's got stainless steel, medium contour barrel, AccuTrigger, um, and you've got a hinge floor plate. So that way you're not fumbling around with any detachable box magazine and, and what could be a dangerous situation. And that comes in some more popular calibers that are really going to stop a bear. So you kind of got a full spectrum there of these niche products that we've created and gotten with these hunters and said, okay, you know, what's your specialty predator hunting? You know, what, what do you want in a firearm? What do you need? What details don't you need that we can kind of just kibosh and focus more heavily on that? So um, similar to the predator, we've got a lot of guns like that. We've got um, the bear hunter I talked about, the hog hunter, um, and then some other configurations um, that like the 110 scout that are very discipline driven and purpose driven. Yeah. Sounds like you guys are making firearms for niche markets not necessarily a, I mean, I'm sure you have a general rifle that will work anywhere. Like you mentioned on that Creedmoor, but it also sounds that you guys are getting hyper specific into specific, you know, into those niche markets. Correct. So something we came out with, I think about two years ago now was the high country, which has done really well for us. Um, and it's, it's been so much fun to work on. And I guess that one would work in some of those, those higher altitude um, elements as well as getting those long shots, but it's just very customer specific where it's got a PVD finish, which is very customizable um, because it's got a bronze color to it as well as a camo stock. Um, it's got a little bit longer barrel, you know, 22 to 24, depending on the caliber to get you those longer hunting shots, but comes in, I think, just around seven pounds, a little over seven pounds. So that way it's it's not unbearable to carry if you're only hiking, you know, for the day or whatnot. Okay. I gotcha. And then, um, I don't know, are there any other scenarios that you can think of, you know, obviously the renegade for turkey hunting, right? But is the... Is the Renegade slug compatible for deer hunting in states like that have shotgun seasons? Not yet, but we are working on a rifle slug version, right? Because that's what we're we're great with the two twenties and two twelves. So we're working on um, a rifle slug variant, and it is. I mean, if you wanted to, it's a smooth bore, but if you wanted to shoot slugs out of it, go for it. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, you have something coming specifically, but you can't. You could use the Renegade for deer hunting if you needed to. Yep. Okay. It's all personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Cool. All right. So, um, kind of like finishing up here, following up, or uh, ending ending the podcast here. What is a guy staring at that wall again? Right. Remind us all why why he should go and buy that that savage over maybe all the competitors that are out there on the market and what he's going to get in the long run you know not just this one and done or um one year and get buy a new rifle what is what is he getting with a savage firearm i say you're getting you're getting innovation and quality you're getting a team of employees that fully love their brand work hard for their brand 
and want to see the customers thrive. Um, they want to see their customers come back time and time again and purchase the Savage Firearm and make sure that the quality is there, the product meets their expectations, and they want to come back and get another one, or they want to come back and and buy a firearm for their child or their wife and get them involved in hunting and shooting and make it kind of a family matter. So, you know, we're a family here and we really want our customers to feel the same way. Gotcha. Well, I, Jessica, man, I really appreciate your time uh, coming on the podcast today. Thank you very much for uh, schooling us on the world of Savage and uh, any closing thoughts before we shut her down today. Well, I think we got what about two to three months before hunting season starts, so right. we've got to get out there and get some tree stands up. Hey, <laughs> I, I I set that uh, I set a couple tree stands up this past weekend, so I'm two down, maybe like five more to go, and I should be set for for the rest of the year. Oh, nice! You got a head start. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I and the crazy thing is, I did it when it was seventy degrees out, not like i typically do where it's like 95 degrees out i'm sweating i'm you know it's the heat index is 100 you just want to pass out and go sit in your truck and turn the ac on but i'm a little bit ahead of schedule this year so i'm feeling good congratulations on that procrastinating (laughs) (laughs) all right well if people want to learn more about savage and all the firearms that you guys have where should we send them you can go to savagearms.com and check out all of our products and see what interests you the most. Jessica, thank you very much. Thank you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Jessica for coming on the podcast. And thanks to all of you who have taken time out of your day to listen to the Hunting Gear podcast and all the other podcasts on the Sportsman's Nation podcast network. Please go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast and subscribe to the Hunting Gear podcast or the whole entire lineup at uh, the Sportsman's Nation. I mean, we have like 18 RSS feeds going right now. Lots of great content. Go check them out. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.